The Bible Study Podcast, episode 529. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel chapters 8 and 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're going to wrap up the years of Good King David here, where everything is going right for him today with chapters 8 and 9 of Second Samuel. Chapter 8 goes like this. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Metheg Amah from the control of the Philistines. David also defeated the Moabites. He made them lie down on the ground and measured them off with a length of cord. Every two lengths of them were put to death, and the third length was allowed to live. So the Moabites became subject to David and brought him tribute. Moreover, David defeated Hadadazar, son of Rehob, king of Zebo, when he went to restore his monument at the Euphrates River. David captured a thousand of his chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. He hamstrung them all, but a hundred of the chariot horses. When the Arameans of Damascus came to help Hadadazar, king of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 of them. He put garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus, and the Arameans became subject to him and brought tribute. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David took the gold shields that belonged to the officers of Hadadazar and brought them to Jerusalem. From Teba and Berathai, towns that belonged to Hadadazar, King David took a great quantity of bronze. When To, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadadazar, he sent his son Jerome to King David to greet him and congratulate him on the victory in the battle over Hadadazar, who had been at war with Tohu. Jerome bought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. King David dedicated these articles to the Lord as he had done with the silver and gold from all the nations he had subdued, Edom and Moab, the Ammonites and the Philistines, and Amalek. He also dedicated the plunder taken from Hadadazar, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And David became famous after he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David ruled over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahalud, was recorder. Zadok, son of Ahitub, and Amalek, son of Abathar, were priests. Zariah was secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was over the Carathites and Pelathites, and David's sons were priests. So everything is going well for David. Now, it's hard to read through David's victories and not think about the brutality that's going on here in terms of the defeating out the Moabites and, and measuring off and putting a lot of them to death. It's not unusual at the time, and not quite as cruel as the hamstringing of the horses, this leaves them alive but unable to fight in a war. And so he captures thousands of chariots and then 7,000 charioteers, and he, he basically renders all but 100 of the horses as unable to fight and therefore diminishing the size of their army. These are not unusual. You'd read these sort of accounts in histories of the time. But the big bottom line here from chapter 8 is everything is going well. Everything is going well. Everywhere that David gets, he gets victory. Now, this is obviously not just David. It's David and his mighty men. It's David and his army. It's But basically, God is blessing what David is doing. God is protecting his people and using the king just as the king should be used to protect his people. 
and everything is going well, and everything's going to go well for one more chapter here. Let's go on to Second Samuel 9, David and Mephibosheth. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, the son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do what my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. And so at this point, when everything is going well, David takes a little pause here from his military victories, from ruling the country, and he thinks again of Saul, and he thinks again, more importantly, of Jonathan. Remember, Jonathan, the son of Saul, was a good friend, a brother to David. And David thinks about them, and he says, you know, I haven't had a chance to do right by Jonathan. Is there anybody left that I can show how much I loved Jonathan by how I treat them? Remember that this is the person who is a rival to him in the traditional sense of the heir of the king before him. And so if there were ever going to be someone who were raised up Instead of David, it would be Mephibosheth or one of David's sons. Those are the two rivals to the throne traditionally. And so you could think that if you were Mephibosheth or some other people and you hear David say, oh, you know, I'm looking for any descendants of Saul so that I can show them honor. If this were Saul or many, many other kings, you'd be afraid that that is not the real intention, that the real intention is, hey, is there any rival to my throne? Because if there is, I'm going to go eliminate them. But this is not David. This is David when everything is going well, when he's doing all the right things, and he really means, is there anybody from Jonathan's household that I can show my love to Jonathan through them? And he finds this son of Jonathan, who's lame in both feet. We heard that story a couple chapters back, that while they were fleeing after Saul was killed, they drop this baby, and he becomes lame in both feet. And so David says, you will always eat at my table. There's always a place for you in my house. 
yes, you may be a rival to the throne, but I'm not king because I grabbed the throne. I'm king because God made me king. So there is no rival. I don't have to worry about you. As long as I'm doing what God wants, there's a place for me. And because there's a place for me, there's a place for you. That's not a bad analogy for us as the church. Because there's a place for me, there's always a place for you. Who do you need to set a place for? Who should you this week show love to? Because in response to love that you have received, not necessarily from them, from God, from someone else, who should be at your table this week? With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.